You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You have tuned in to 3CR's program, Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind Closed Doors aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful this program is not suitable for little years as there may also be explicit language use. Please connect with us on Twitter at bcd3cr or email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and digital. Today, Kitty and I are returning with part two of our chat with David Limbrick from the Liberal Democrats Party. It's really good to have David Limbrick on our show, Dean. Oh, it certainly is. It's just so great to have people who support the sex worker community, especially politicians who are right in the heart of it. Absolutely. And speaking of being right in the heart of it, you know, we've got some really big breaking news to share with everybody. Oh, great. I love this part of the show. What what do we have, Kitty? Well, as from Monday the 22nd of June, sex workers are now back to work. Victoria Police has actually confirmed escort agencies and private sex workers can now operate in Victoria. So what does this mean in terms of brothels and brothel workers? Well, unfortunately, brothels and brothel workers are not to go back to work. Oh, okay. So under Victoria's complex sex work regulations, escort agencies and private workers who do outcalls can work, but workers who, or people who work in brothels can't because that's an in-call service. Correct. That's absolutely mm-hmm. it. I guess, you know, it's it's bittersweet. Like, it's great that private sex workers can go back to work and those who work for escort agencies Unfortunately, our workmates who work in brothels will not be able to go back to work, so stay tuned for more updates on that. We will definitely keep everyone updated as to what's going on. Kitty, any other news that we've got? The Victorian Premier has appointed a new Minister for Consumer Affairs, and that new minister is Minister Melissa Horn. This role involves regulating sex work and implementing Fiona Patton's recommendations on decriminalising sex work as well. You know, we're just going to keep looking forward to engaging with the minister in the future, and we sincerely hope that she'll prioritise sex work, human rights and welfare. The new minister has a lot on her plate, and hopefully she'll be up for the task. And we definitely need to remind all of our listeners that the deadline for Fiona Patton's sex work review is the 17th of July. How can people contribute to that, Dean? Uh, One way is to actually go to the different consultation groups. One group that we know of is, and we actually interviewed Cheryl Overs and Estelle Lucas from this group the other week, that group is called Sex Workers Voices Victoria. Their website is swvoicesvic.com. You can also check them out on Twitter. Their Twitter handle is at swvoicesvic. And make sure to also check out our Twitter page and like us as well. And our Twitter handle is at BCD3CR. Too easy. Time's a ticking, everyone, so get those submissions in. And thank you to everyone who are putting submissions in because, you know, our voice matters and all of us who put in a submission, you know, we collectively put forward our personal recommendations, 
um, and we highlight the concerns that need to be heard. So please make sure you do this. It's really important and your voice does matter. We will definitely be reporting more about this as well as having chats with the uh, main people involved and we'll definitely have Fiona Patton back later this year once the uh, consultation and submission process has been finalised. This is really exciting times, isn't it, Dean? It's historic and we get a it chance is. to be and we get a chance to be involved. It's great that the voices and lived experience of sex workers is actually being heard. Well, stay tuned to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and digital to keep up with the updates. Tune into the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. Hi, David, and welcome back for part two. Thanks for having me. So, David, you've mentioned the Public Accounts and Estimates Committee, mm. uh, which is conducting the inquiry into the Victorian government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So, obviously, you sit on this committee. Now, I've got some rapid-fire questions for yeah. you. Can you tell us why the inquiry is important to the general public and also to sex workers? Okay, so the government at the moment is exercising unprecedented power they're spending unprecedented amounts of money in an unprecedented short amount of time. And therefore, to my mind, it should have unprecedented scrutiny. Now, it's not getting the level of scrutiny that I would like, but there does need to be some sort of scrutiny on what the government's doing. We need to be able to ask questions about the powers that they're exercising at the moment, the money that they're spending and how they're spending it and what they're actually expecting to get out of it. And it's very important for the general public to have some sense that we can actually get some answers around some of these actions that the government has taken. And specifically for sex workers, you know, like any other industry, they've got questions about, you know, why is my industry being shut down? When will we be able to open and, and conduct business again? And is it reasonable what the government is actually doing? We need to ask those sort of questions, which is why I asked the question about sex work and lumping them all together under under brothels, because that seems, you know, the only mention that we've had with sex work has been with brothels and it's been to just keep it banned for the entire time, which I think lumping the entire industry under that is just wrong. It's it's factually wrong. So David, out of curiosity, were you the only MP who raised questions with regards to sex work? Yes. Yeah, I was the only one that raised any issues around sex work. And specifically, why did you want to go on this committee? I mean, I personally feel it's really important that you are on this committee, given that, you know, you have very strong interest in supporting sex workers. So I was pushing very hard to have extra scrutiny on the government and their response. The committee, as it stood without me, is five Labor members, three opposition members, so one National and two Liberals, and one Green. My concern is that the Labor members tend to just ask Dorothy Dix's to the government, you know, they'll just say, you know, can you please explain the wonderful success of your pandemic response? The Liberal members, you know, they have their own agenda, but they're not going to question some of the things that I would be questioning. And the Greens, you know, they have their own agenda as well, and that they're probably not going to question some of the things that I would ask questions about. So I was probably the only one that was started off asking about, you know, what the the restrictions on liberties I tried to get a commitment from the Premier that all liberties would be returned after the pandemic's over. And he actually gave that commitment, which sort of surprised me a bit. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, I think that I can ask questions that other members on the committee might not 
be interested in or might not think of asking. So I think it's important. And I take on some of the issues that, you know, they might not want to take on or might not be interested in, such as sex work. It's, you know, let's be honest, lots of politicians don't want to talk about it and they should, I think. Mm, there's too much stigma around the topic of sex work. Yeah. Was it a difficult process for you to get onto this committee? Yes, it was a very difficult process. So once the government said that they would allow another person, they basically just said to the crossbench, you guys figure it out who it's going to be. And so we had to come up with our own process, independent of the government and opposition of selecting someone. So we effectively had an election amongst the crossbench, people nominated, and then we voted on who would actually get up. It ended up being me. And given that you're successful on being on this committee, what are you hoping that the inquiry will achieve? I hope that it'll shed light on some of the things that the government's been doing and the reasons that they've been doing it. Uh, I think it's been very opaque. I still don't have a good handle on you know, what the overall plan is from the government here. I, they've been very reluctant to actually talk about, you know, what's the end game here? How long is it going to take? If there is no vaccine forthcoming in, in the short term, you know, how long are we going to be living like this? I don't think it's sustainable to live like this for much longer. You know, we're in a situation now where vast numbers of people are unemployed. People are losing their businesses. The businesses that are still operating are operating basically under under welfare a lot of the time. You know, they're getting this job keeper. Basically, the majority of people now are, are either unemployed and on welfare or their businesses are on welfare this is not a sustainable state of things and we can't keep going like this forever. You know, we're running up debt at a massive rate and we have to say, you know, how long is this sustainable for? I don't think it's sustainable for years. I'm not even sure it's sustainable for months. We'll have to see what happens. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Dave, you did raise a lot of you know, issues and you've questioned a number of witnesses during the coronavirus inquiry. Mm. And you know we noticed that you focused a lot on recognising the different ways in which various businesses operate mm. and how coronavirus restrictions need to be more tailored rather than blanket bans. What were the principles that guided your line of questioning? I really just wanted the government to recognise that lumping industries all in one boat and not recognising the diversity within those industries and the diversity of risks is a problem. Some industries have been very proactive in this. They've actually gone to the government and said, we can operate safely by doing X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe this is something that sex workers need to consider. I know that with the restaurant industry, for example, they've gone through their peak bodies and actually gone with plans to the government and said, we can operate this type of business safely and here are the measures that we will take to make our businesses run safely. And I think some of that engagement has actually worked pretty well. You know, maybe this is something that sex workers need to think about and is what are the different types of activities? What are the different types of risks involved in those activities? And what are some of the ways that we might mitigate some of those risks? They might not be clear to the government what those risks are. And maybe that's why they're just lumping everything together. And if it was made more transparent about, you know, what are the different types of activities and risks, maybe there might be more thought given to allowing some of those activities to happen. Specifically, 
basically, is this why you directed your question about sex work to our Chief Health Officer, Professor Brett Sutton? Yes. I mean, effectively, he's the one that makes the orders that restrict activities. And the government's been constantly saying, oh, we're following the advice of the Chief Health Officer. So they, they're not really taking ultimate responsibility for these decisions. They're just saying, well, we're just following the advice of the experts. And so, all right, well, we have to question the experts then. And, you know, I was pretty disappointed with some of the responses, you know, when, when we asked about fishing and golfing and things like this, the, the response was, you know, well, we just sort of felt it wasn't really exercise. And so we stopped people doing it. You know, there, there was no science there. In fact, he admitted openly that, you know, there is no way of scientifically modeling risks for individual activities like that. At least he was honest enough to, to say that. When you've got the premier saying, oh, you know, it's not worth someone's life to go fishing or golfing, as if there is some sort of evidence behind it, and then you find out there is no real evidence, it's concerning. Let's listen to David's question and the response from Victoria's Chief Health Officer, Professor Brett Sutton. With regards to the bundling of uh, some of these restrictions, I, I note that in the, um, the federal government's staged plan, which uh, presumably will be having something based on that, um, one of the things that was bundled was uh, brothels and um, in fact, the majority of sex workers in Victoria don't work in brothels um, and the activities might have differing risk profiles. Will consideration and clarification be given to that community um, under once we reach these different uh, levels of uh, easing? Yes, as for, as for all uh, specific industries, all specific settings, we need to give consideration of them um, uh, over time. And uh, part of the principle of um, directions in Victoria was that of collaboration, another one of the key principles in the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. And so we really have taken guidance from National Cabinet decision-making and tried to reflect that as much as possible. Uh, at times, we've been uh, more proportionally, perhaps, than some other jurisdictions. Uh, but we really have tried to reflect the National Cabinet decision-making in uh, in doing uh, as they've recommended for uh, state and territory legislation. David, how satisfied are you with Professor Brett Sutton's response? I'm satisfied that he acknowledged that there is diversity within uh, the sex work industry and all industries and that he gave a commitment to clarification. Uh, so that's good. The, the thing now is we have to hold them the, to that. We have to make sure that they do actually provide those clarifications and, and I'll be questioning that, you know, when we reach that next stage of easing, if they don't provide clarification, then we need to raise that and make a big deal about it. If they just keep it prohibited without providing any justification, um, that's not acceptable in my book. David, with the inquiry, what are some of the issues that you identified with the government's restrictions on businesses in general? In general, the impact on businesses has been catastrophic. Certain industries have been almost totally shut down. The industry that's basically been killed off is tourism. So massive, massive uh, problem. And the, the thing that people have to remember here is that the virus hasn't caused these problems with industry and restrictions on people's liberties. It's the government's response that has caused these problems. Now, we have to question the government's response is the whole point of this. Other industries that have been severely affected have been uh, universities. So it's one of our, I think it's the largest export industry for Victoria is international students. And it's been 
catastrophic, the, the effect. Uh, you know, lots of students haven't been able to attend classes. Many of them have gone back to their home countries. Um, this is a major, major issue. Uh, anything to do with hospitality, big trouble. Um, you know, some businesses have been able to pivot and adapt, you know, like I said earlier with takeaway, but really they a lot of them can't continue to operate like that. They're just sort of limping along. Many other industries have been affected very, very heavily. Some industries have continued. So, you know, some retail sectors like supermarkets, for example, have actually seen an increase in sales. Some delivery services have been going well because, you know, people don't want to go out as much. Construction has continued along. Uh, mining has continued along. They've been able to continue doing what they do. But yeah, I mean, the retail sector, it's, you know, when, when we wake up from all this, we're going to be in a different world. You know, some of the shops that we used to go to, they're not going to be there anymore. Uh, some of these business types, they're just not going to exist anymore. You know, like there's a, off, there's a business just around the corner from my office, you know, Aussie Disposals, you're probably familiar with it. You know, they sell camping goods and stuff like that. They're gone, you know, and they're not coming back. Um, you know, they've been around since I was a kid. I think there's a lot of businesses like this um, that are in trouble. And even the ones that aren't hurt by the restrictions directly, they're hurt by the economic impact. You know, people are staying home. They're worried about their jobs. They're not spending money. And so a lot of these sort of discretionary spending type businesses, you know, are they going to be able to recover? And they talk about this hibernation thing I, I just think that's you know really ignorant of the economics of how businesses work they, they can't just shut down and then magically reopen again and all be back to normal it just doesn't work like that and going back to sex work what are some of the issues you've identified with the government's restriction on the sex industry businesses well the problem is that a lot of the sex work operates in a gray market anyway and so you already have legal problems because decriminalization hasn't happened yet on top of that, you have these extra restrictions making everyone very careful. And outside of the government's response, you probably have customers that probably wouldn't choose to use those services even if there was no government restrictions. So even if there was no government restrictions, you probably still have a, a downturn in trade, I would, I would imagine. But I think what it's really highlighted is that we have to get decriminalisation over the line and, and fully legitimise um, this industry because you end up in this awful place where you've got you know this grey market then you on top of that you've got all these extra pandemic restrictions and it's just a total mess so I think it's really highlighted that how important decriminalisation is and the, the sex work industry is really at a huge disadvantage because of its legal status it's really highlighted that the pandemic it's really highlighted at what a disadvantage this industry is at. Because as we know, not all sex work's the same. In fact, there's a variety of mm. different types of sex work available to clients, depending on what the clients want. So, mm. for example, sometimes certain sex workers offer a dine-out experience or a girlfriend experience, and that doesn't necessarily include sex at all. It might mm. just include a night out for dinner or a walk in the park or just some quality conversational time. Um, and so, as you've mentioned before, I also think that Further clarification on the subject matter would be very much appreciated. Um, it's time for a quick break now. We'd like to remind our listeners that the month of June is when 3CR hosts its annual Radiothon to help raise funds for this local community radio station. Behind Closed Doors is Australia's only sex worker radio show, and 3CR gives us this on-air opportunity to support sex workers and their rights. 
You can also support 3CR through donation by visiting www.3cr.org.au. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR. Welcome back to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and Digital Radio. Kitty and I have been chatting with David Limbrick from the Liberal Democrats Party about his involvement with the Victorian Coronavirus Inquiry. David, can you think of other types of businesses that have been treated in a very nonsensical way by the Victorian government in relation to this coronavirus restrictions? Oh, there's lots, I think. I never understood why, uh, for example, campgrounds were banned. Um, I can understand maybe communal shower blocks and things like that being shut. But, you know, camping seems about as, as isolated as you could get. So... Prohibiting that seem, always seems silly to me. Um, some of these other activities that I've mentioned around, you know, fishing and golf and things like that, they, it, it, would, it would seem to me that they, there's no reason that they couldn't operate in a safe manner. Let's not just look at, you know, the, the activity from the consumer's point of view. It's also lots of people work in these industries, you know, in golf um, there's people that work at the clubhouses. There's people that work selling camping equipment and all this sort of stuff. You're you're taking away people's livelihoods, and if there's not a real justification for that, then um, you know you shouldn't do it. it. It breaches the harm principle. And I think there's lots of lots of businesses like that that could have operated safely, and yet weren't allowed to. And I think that's wrong. And many of these businesses were screaming out. They were saying, look, we can do this. You know, we can we can adapt our business to deal with this. You know, restaurants in particular were quite vocal saying, you know, we can we can manage this. We can, you know, change the seating arrangements. We can have hand sanitizer. Um, we can we can do this properly. We can make sure that guests are seated in a seated in a certain location away from other customers. You know, um, I think there's lots of business types that could have operated that weren't allowed to. Mm. It seems like we need to have a more, uh, I guess, sensible and practical approach to this mm. versus versus the blanket bans that we've had so far. Mm. Um, so hopefully only time will tell. And, uh, you know, when the inquiry um, is finished and finalised, then we will, you know, have a more interesting response and analysis of what's happened. Um, the coronavirus, the Victorian coronavirus inquiry is now accepting submissions from the public until the 31st of July 2020. David, why should sex workers write a submission to the inquiry? So that your voice is heard. As we've already said, there's only been one mention of sex work so far throughout the inquiry. So I would uh, strongly urge people who are interested to put in a submission uh, and outline, you know, how this has affected their um, livelihoods, you know, it's a, and that it's a legitimate business. And specifically, if there are different activities that could be undertaken safely, um, Kitty mentioned one before, you know, the girlfriend experience thing, right? The risk there is no different to the risk of going out with someone to a restaurant, right? Because that's really all it is. You're just paying someone to go out to a restaurant with you, I suppose. And so, you know, these activities, the government might not be aware of it. You know, the members on the committee might not be aware of these activities and making them aware of it and consider it, I think, is an important thing. So if sex workers would like to write a submission to the coronavirus inquiry, please visit our Twitter account at BCD3CR, where we link you directly to where you can post your submissions. David, what do you think are the key issues driving the Victorian government's treatment of the sex industry during this coronavirus pandemic? I'd like to say that they're thinking about it a lot, but 
my real feeling is that it's just not high on their radar. I don't think it's going to be a big consideration unless people make it a big consideration. So, um, you know, I'm trying to raise it during the inquiry. Um, I think if people make submissions and talk about it, um, then that will help. But, you know, there's a lot of things that the government's looking at at the moment, and I just don't think it's high up the list, is my honest opinion. And uh, there's a lot of other industries that are probably um, much higher profile and, you know, probably higher economic impact as well uh, that they would be putting a lot more attention to. So I, I just don't think it's being considered a lot. As we wrap up, I've got one last very interesting question from me. When it comes to the sex industry, do you believe Victoria's easing of coronavirus restrictions has only been guided by public health evidence? Or perhaps does sex work stigma somehow play a role in this decision making? I don't think it's a stigma thing. Like I said, I don't think that the government's considered it a lot. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, like I said, the only mention of sex work has been actually from the federal government when they came out with that plan, which mentioned brothels. The state government hasn't mentioned it at all, as far as I'm aware. The only mention has been from the chief health officer when I questioned him about it. Does stigma play into it? I don't think so. I don't have any evidence that that's the case. I just think that it's just not on the radar. So if many sex workers write into the submission to say, we want more clarification, we want to have a um, more diverse categorizing between the different sectors of sex work, would that make a difference? I don't know. It would, it would mean that it would form part of the evidence that's considered in the inquiry. So that's a good thing that it's on the public record. It would also mean that when we get to the deliberation stage, when the report's being written, I would have an opportunity to say what happens with these reports, in case you're not aware, is all of the evidence from the from the public hearings and also from the submissions is considered uh, behind closed doors, incidentally, at a committee meeting. And we go through a big deliberation phase where we vote on sections of the report, so findings and recommendations and things like that. And only things that have been submitted as evidence either through the uh, hearings or through submissions can be considered in the report and so if there's something on the table that's being submitted by organizations or individuals then that gives us some content that we can use uh, potentially in the report um, you know whether the committee decides to actually use it or not is another matter but certainly, you know, if I see something there, I will be pushing for that to happen. But I can't, I can't be guaranteed that I'll get the support of the other committee members. So, David, from your explanation just then, you you have mentioned that the committee members will have a look at the the submissions, you know, put in your own reports. What actually happens next? Do the do these reports get published, or is it just a, a tabled, or what 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 happens? Yeah, so there, there's going to be uh, two reports. I think there's going to be a uh, preliminary report. I can't remember the exact date. I think it's July, end of July. 31st yeah. of July. Yeah, and then there's going to be another report later in the year. So this first round of hearings and submissions, there'll be that report produced from that, and then there'll be another round of hearings and possibly submissions as well for the second report. But, yeah, once we get the submissions in and the, and the hearings done, will go away and uh, deliberate on the report. So what happens is the parliamentary staff will put together all the evidence into a draft report, and then we will 
decide on what goes in and out of that report. That was great chatting with David and Kitty. And David, thanks again for part two and thank you so much for your involvement with the Victorian Coronavirus Inquiry. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot and thanks for having me. Join us next Thursday, 6pm on 3CR 855 AM and digital. This is Cindy Lauper with a live version of Hope. Untethered See me now And see us together And hope is what you came for A drop in time we share If hope is a thing with feathers lost in a storm, then see us fly together. Oh.